Welcome to the Harnessing Happiness podcast. Upbeat vibes generated and transferred to you. Now here's your host, Sarah J. Naylor. Hello and welcome to Harnessing Happiness with myself, Sarah J. Naylor. Thank you so much for dropping by and tuning in and listening to my podcast. I love knowing that you're all out there. As I don't have a sponsor sponsor, I kind of, because I sponsor my own podcast, I'm just going to put it out there that, you know, if you want to know more about me, I'm a coach, author and speaker. So you can head over to sarahjnaylor.com. And that's where you'll find me, along with social media as well. So that's me sponsoring my own show over and out. And today I have the lovely Jacqueline with me. Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting conversation because we haven't had a good chat for a very long time. We'll enlarge, enlarge. We will go into more detail about that shortly. But I'm going to hand over, as you know, regular listeners will know that I always like my guests to introduce themselves. So over to you, Jacqueline. Please do introduce yourself to my awesome audience. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Jacqueline Kent. I call myself the happy life activator. And what I mean by that is I help people find ways to introduce more happiness, uplifting um, well-being habits into their lives. I help midlife and menopausal women in particular. I help them find ways to put themselves first learn to take steps that empowers them to actually take better care of themselves and do things that they feel like they're not deserving of doing. I show them that they truly are, in fact. (laughs) I've also published several books. We actually just had one out earlier this week, but we can talk about that in a mo. So I kind of do a lot of self-help type stuff. And my little thing that I like to use as the describer for who I am is I'm a glass half full kind of girl. Yay, we like glass half full. And I think we're very much on the same page with sort of well-being, health, happiness and everything like that, because it's fundamental, isn't it? It's so important to look after yourself and it's not selfish. Self-care is so important because if you if you aren't looking after yourself, how, I'm going to quote RuPaul, how the hell can you look after anyone else? Or words to that effect. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's that thing of always putting the mask on yourself if you're in a plane and it's in trouble. Because if you're not in a position to be okay for looking after you, then you're going to be no good to look after anybody else. And I learned that. I mean, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. No, so. well, exactly. I think, we, well, I think we both did. I don't think, um, I think your experience is probably a bit more brutal than mine. But uh, certainly, having been in a 20-year relationship that I escaped 17 years ago with somebody that I latterly discovered was a narcissist who, you know, manoeuvred and manipulated me predominantly away from sort of family and friends to the point that I had my social circle was his social circle and family and not my own. And after having had my son for six years, I didn't go out. So, yeah, (laughs) once the light bulb goes on and you then sort of go... Right. Okay. But the thing is, and you probably, I don't know whether you'll agree, whether this was a similar thing to you, but I didn't know that I wasn't living a normal life. I had no concept that my life wasn't normal. You know, my parents have been together for years and they still are. And, you know, I just thought, you know, you met somebody, you were with them and we were, we'd married 10 years into our relationship and um, had my son when I was 14 years in. And then it was just, I don't know. I mean, I knew I'd, I could sense I wasn't happy because I used to feel that I could understand why people disappeared, which is a bit worrying. But, you know, I didn't have anybody to, I didn't talk to anybody, which I think is the power of coaching. And I think more people are waking up to it now. But I didn't know how I was living, really wasn't living for my, wasn't living my life 
because we were busy doing stuff. I was socialising at work, as I saw fit. But once the light goes on, then once you realise what's out there, this world of opportunities, my life. You, I mean, let's let's kick start with your backstory, Jacqueline, because I mean, obviously, what I've alluded to was, uh, you know. Not great, but I mean, crikey. Do share, please do share. I have a huge backstory, which actually starts when I was 16. So I can go like really whistle stop tour on that one because it kind of built up the person who I became. Um, So I had my first child when I was 16 years old. I stayed with his father for 11 years. We had three children together. Sadly, our second child was actually stillborn. So that happened when I was 20 years old. What it meant for me, aside from the sadness, it was my first loss. You know, I still have my grandparents. All of that meant at 20 years old that I had already experienced my darkest time. I wouldn't say it set me up for life, but it showed me that if I could overcome that, I could overcome anything, actually. My relationship with their dad was challenging at times. And, you know, we went, we were just constantly going through stuff. I mean, we had, so we had all of those challenges. And then my now 24 year old was actually diagnosed with autism at the age of five. So he was my rainbow baby and he became my spectrum child, which is a little bit weird, but there you are. And it was around that time that everything in my life had actually shifted. So I had been let's say engineered into a new relationship because that was with the person who was to become my abusive now ex-husband I ended an 11 year relationship it wasn't working that you know it that did need to happen I was very clear on that it was never about making a choice that meant it was this or this it was never going to be that relationship and it was almost a way out, but it wasn't a very good one. Sure. But I mean, given the challenges that you've already just mentioned, to be perfectly frank, I mean, relationships from obviously when you're with somebody from such a young age to have gone through all of that together, that is so much, you know, even for a sort of a couple that are even old, who are older, have had more life experiences before that to actually withstand those, those challenges that you've mentioned. Crikey. Massive. I mean, and I think statistically, you know, a lot of very young relationships when you have children young they don't work statistically when you lose a child I think it's something one in five relationships fails when you have a disabled child one in three relationships fails you know when we kept going and we kept going and we kept going so that all came to an end and everything happened in 2002 I met my as I say now ex-husband even the you know the point at which I actually face-to-face met him because we'd originally met online. I was at home a lot with the children and my first partner, he was out doing his own thing, projects and various other things. He was very creative. We both had a lot of creative energy and I didn't really get to use mine. When I came across the person that I was going to marry online, we came face-to-face because he made me feel like I had to meet him or otherwise I was doing him an injustice because he'd travel. So he was grooming you in a lot of respects. find me pretty mm. much. Yes. I just didn't get it. I didn't understand well, that. Why would you, though? Why would you? If it's, no. you don't, they're not aware. A bit like I was saying about my relationship. You know, you're not aware, are yeah, you, until you become you aware? And your eyes aren't open. And to be honest, from the off, that relationship was hard going. We decided we were going to get married. And just saying that now seems crazy. But it was like, in fact, there was one of those things I saw on Facebook the other day that said, you know, tell us a reason not to get married that doesn't really tell you not to get married and I just said just because you can doesn't mean you should and it was one of those you know I'd been with my first partner and we'd been engaged and it never came to anything this person came along wanted the world for me you know 
um, want, wanted me to make him happy, basically, because he was no good on his own. That was that. So, so we got married. From the off, there were, you know, many, many red flags. There was issues with pornography. There was issues with uh, just the way that he conducted himself. Even just being around him, I wasn't that comfortable. He made me laugh. But there was so much other stuff that wasn't good. Yeah, and you have to question, don't you? You don't. Re- I think the thing is, once you get caught up into something, you you don't realise. I mean, you know, things that you're saying now. I mean, not so much. Just just my ex husband's behaviour. I mean, I could. It was like treading on eggshells. You know, you never quite knew how he would respond. You could be having a conversation like this and then say something like. Hey! And you go, before I, before I eventually did leave, I'd got to the point of saying to him, do you mind if I ask you something? But I couldn't do right for doing wrong. Why do you have to use all those pots in the kitchen? Why can't you cook without a recipe? Why do you have to do this? Why are you wearing that to work? Why do you bend down like that? You shouldn't bend down like that. I mean, I used all my strength to, to, be a, a, to, sort of, to survive rather than thrive. I mean, but, you know, outwardly, nobody would think there was anything wrong. And I didn't even know there was anything wrong. So why would anybody? Yes, yes. (laughs) and and this is the thing, and and I think I had gone into that relationship from a place of being ashamed of what I was doing. I was, you know, not not proud of myself for the fact that I'd ended my first relationship to be with this person, and that energy stayed with me. I was going through the the motions, going going from from one year to the next, from one drama to the next. He was trying to leave me about every three months. And, you know, he was the one leaving and I was trying to stop him going. It just, none of it made any sense. I was constantly pulling against something that I really, I didn't know how else to kind of navigate it. No, I understand that. I hear that. You know, you just, you just, I mean, I had a second relationship that was, that was equally challenging. And I, I kept on fighting to make it work because I'm, I'm determined that no, you, you're trying to wrong foot me. No, I'll you pr- don't give no, up. No, no. <laughs> yes. And then I've realised, I have realised I don't need a challenging relationship. Hurrah! Exactly. <laughs> They don't Let have go. to be hard work. They don't have to be. <laughs> I know. Not at all. Not at all. And that was the thing. Yeah. yeah. So what happened then? I mean, obviously it was, as you said, challenging from the off, as as was mine. But I think yours got fundamentally worse, didn't it? So in, in 2014, and it had been one of those, you know, as I say, every year there was something. And in, in 2014, it came to a crashing head when we had various things had happened that evening we'd gone to a party he'd been saying things that I was like well that's very odd why would you say if I have to come home at least it's not very far away it was all a bit weird but ultimately what happened was I came home I returned home to a hole that had been punched in the bathroom wall he was angry because I'd spoken to a man no I I hear you on that one I didn't have I couldn't have any male relationships I couldn't reference a man in either of my two long-term relationships and yet in the same evening I had stood watching him chatting to other women that was fine so I was very confused there was very, very unsettling energy. And I came home. So my my middle son, who, as I say, so eight years ago, he would have been 16. He came home and he was like, he didn't know what was going on. Everything was a bit weird. It all came to a crashing head when we had a, a confrontation. He would not leave me alone. I just wanted him to give me some space because I was like, I had a couple of drinks and I was just like, go away. I'm just, I just need to just be in my own space. And he wouldn't leave me alone. He followed me into a room where eventually I had no nowhere to go. And I ended up pinned to a wall by my throat, fighting for my life. And um, I it was honestly that moment of my life flashing before my eyes. 
even in that moment, I still managed to find a way to take responsibility for what had happened. But that's that's what they do. That's narcissism, yeah. isn't it? He was then like, I can't believe I've done this. I'm going to feel terrible, blah, blah, blah. He'd had quite a lot to drink and I watched him get in the car and drive off. And there was a moment where I thought, I could make this so easy. I could just pick up the phone, ring the police, get him arrested for drunk driving. Everything else doesn't even come into it. All these things that went through my head, none of them happened. Well, I was a complete wreck. I mean, I was in shock. I was in Well, I was going to say you'd be in shock, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Over the course of the coming days, more things evolved. I ended up... He, he ended up going missing. He wanted to take his own life. I ended up with the police interviewing me. They were the ones that switched the lights on for me because they were asking me all these questions. They were like, you know, does he talk to you about what you wear? Does he do this? Does he... And I, and I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, all right, okay. We don't ever tell anyone what to do, but we would encourage you to press charges. So how did you end up with the police? Did you, did you go to the police then after he disappeared then? Or? No, this, was, this is the thing. I didn't. But because he'd gone missing, I'd actually contacted his brother because I'd received um, a message. I'd received a message that said, you know, basically tell my son I'm sorry. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Oh, you know, again, all of these thoughts, you know, this was in, in like 48 hours of everything had actually happened and my brain didn't know which way it was up. I was just walking around like a bit of a zombie and I I couldn't register and I couldn't process stuff. I contacted his brother who said he was going to go out and find him and he actually just picked up the phone and rang the police and let them do the work. So they tried to find him but in doing that they had to come to the house and take a statement from me to find out why he'd gone missing in the first place and then they were searching my house, they were taking his toothbrush because they wanted, I didn't understand or realise at the time but they wanted his DNA in case they ended up finding a body. All of these horrible, hideous, just appalling things that I went through. Oh, crikey, oh my gosh. (laughs) So... Yeah. So that was the end of 2014. It was quite quite dramatic. And yet, even still, I did not find a way out of that relationship properly. It took another 20 months. Well, I, you know, I, I, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'm in a place now. I get that whatever happened after that time was what had to happen. We did the whole thing of like we lived separately from that point onwards. He actually had somewhere else to live. I insisted that, you know, if there was anything to be salvaged from it, even it needed. We needed counselling. We needed professional help. Yes, that was good. So we tried that. (laughs) We tried that. But it was good that you you tried things because the thing is, when Mm. you do that, that, you know, Mm. hand Mm. on heart that you've done all that you and that was the you place I wanted do. to be in. I wanted to know that it wasn't a case of just giving up. And, you know, I know you understand you don't just give up on something like that. Something pushes you. Because we'd done all that. But again, he was really, really good at saying what she wanted to hear in that counselling room. Really good at it. They tend to know, um, though. They can hear through that. Yeah. It then took um, another dramatic turn the following year. So 2016 we're into now um, when things blew up between... My sons, one of them with autism and, you know, a little bit of a temper issue. But of course, the atmosphere around him was not healthy, was not a good place to live, really. He lashed out against my younger son, who was only eight at the time. Because of my ex being who he was, he was protective of his son. So the youngest, he ended up having the police out and social services involved. Lots of other things happened. And it was at this point that I was proper crumbling you know I was just like I'm not surprised I can't do this I can't do this (laughs) and you know I had people kind of like going you know 
keep going sort of thing. And it was, I can't, I just can barely put one foot in front of the other. That was the moment at which I thought, right, I need somebody to help me for me. Sod, not sod everybody else, but actually in a way so that I can deal with what is going on in my life. Because if I'm living on my own with my sons and I'm no good, what chance is there for them? Who is going to be there for them? Who is going to look after them? And so it was a really serious taking stock and thinking about that. And that was when I then hired a life coach who she'd come across in my... So the world that I was in at the time was wedding stationery and I had a wedding coach and she introduced us to all of these other amazing people and um, one of my moments that I talk about quite a lot because I've done talks, you know, I've written in my books I've done blog posts and things about it she just said to me, tell me about your life today and when somebody says that and all you want to do is laugh because if you don't laugh you're just going to end up in a heap and she was like, okay, let's let's backtrack you know, fill in some details so gave her a bit of a bigger picture and all she said to me was if you take the time to look at putting yourself first and you do things that mean you're taken care of everything else will fall into place and I know that if there's anyone listening to this and they hear that and they're in a similar position not necessarily the same circumstances they're going to think that's a load of rubbish because I did they're going to think that's a load of rubbish because you can't quite grasp thinking about what you need actually does positively impact on everybody around you but that is what happens it is. And it's absolutely true. Yeah. Because what you put in to yourself is what you radiate out. And actually, if you are investing in yourself, then you can help others. But if you're down at the bottom, sort of crumbled, you cannot help anybody else. And you can only help people once you start to do the work on yourself. You can't go back down there. People have to come up to you. You can give them a hand up, but you can't join them back where you were before because you've done that work. And having that space, the fact that you recognise that and got introduced and having that opportunity, and that's the beauty, as we both know, of coaching, is that you've got that platform to explore stuff, to actually start to have conversations, not with anybody that you know, be it family or friends or that, who, who want to turn around, oh, you want to do this and you want to do that because they're basing their their experience of the world and they're transferring it on to you and they think they know what's best for you based on how they live their life but actually how you live your life is very different based on your experiences and obviously all the stuff that you'd been to previously you know from what you're saying and I hear that from the two relationships I had before the one I'm in now which is just unbelievably brilliant is you know you get indoctrinated and because we are the type of people we are you want to create this nurturing loving environment you it becomes an overdone strength you want to make it work you don't you you forget about yourself because you actually don't know about yourself because you've been manipulated and you you know oh you know you don't talk to people or you don't do this and I had to um sever relationships with you know really good male friends when I entered my second relationship and I and I'm like why on earth did I do that but the one thing I did do was kept my female friends but even so, it took me a long time and I've done, and I, I presume that perhaps you have as well, but undertaken loads of sort of holistic therapies along the way, along with coaching and all sorts of stuff to clear energy blockages because I would constantly put everybody else before me once I'd got that bit of time left, once I knew what my ex-partner, not my ex-husband, what my ex-partner was doing, I would then work my life around. And it was like, no. And I actually went, yeah, I trained and qualified at Reiki. And the woman I did the Reiki with, I did um, lots of EFT and Ascension work and all sorts of stuff with her. Yeah, it's brilliant. And um, I went to see her and said, look, I've got to stop doing this. 
And she, and she said, well, look, you know, it could potentially end your relationship. I said, if that's the case, that's the case. I said, I cannot continue to live my life because I didn't know what it was. I didn't understand what where the blockage was, where it where it was lodged. But energetically, it was somewhere within my psyche. So we did this EFT and then he left me um, about six weeks before my 50th, seven years ago. Ironically, I was on a spiritual retreat weekend and we'd had an argument on... <laughs> This is really spooky. Carry on, I'll tell you I'll tell yeah. you the rest of my story in a minute. So I was That's in Derbyshire. Spooky. We'd had an argument on the Friday night because he told me he was coming home at a certain time and then he decided he was going to go off and do other stuff. And anyway, it was just like, it, it was completely disrespectful, completely not, you know, having any respect for me, my time, what plans we got and what we were going to do. I was going off on this spiritual retreat weekend. So on the Saturday morning, we'd fallen out on the Friday night. I went off, did the day, came back. It was an awful, Saturday night was awful. Horrible, 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 horrible. Woke up the following morning, went off back to Derbyshire. Music first track that came on the radio was I Want to Break Free. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. there was the, the second track was The Tide is High by Blondie. And then the next track was um, another one, which it, it cast me back. I think it was a Blow Monkeys track. And so those three tracks, so, so still anchored in my memory, Came home at the end of the day and he'd packed his bags, he was waiting, and then the following day sent me an email to tell me he wasn't coming back. But I'd carried on that whole spiritual weekend and I'd, then I had to my, my 50th to plan, which is the big party and event. And and that's the thing, isn't it? You know, it's it's often a series of events. One of the things that I try to encourage the women that are in my world to do is not wait for that. It's not wait for that pow moment, but take charge before it comes to that. Um, and I know that, you know, and, unless you have that almost whack round the head that makes you go, oh, my God. <laughs> That's that the universe happen. having a proper word, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It really is. It is. So what happened basically for me was I started working with this coach and I realised that, you know, I had to let go of whatever was going to happen with this relationship. So I did. I handed it over. And thank goodness, because I I spent just a few weeks kind of going, there have to be solutions there's got to be something and funnily enough I went on a retreat (laughs) (laughs) it must be something I had the same conversation with somebody else the other day this is very weird um it's the powers of the energy they thought there's more in the unseen than there is in the scene we know that and and, you know this one was actually it was a business retreat but there was a lot of self-care type stuff in it it was it was gorgeous I'd had to drive for it. I'd had to go to Bolton. I was feeling quite low. You know, I was really quite poorly because there was so much going on and I was just carrying it all around with me. I was having all this stuff about he was convinced I must have somebody else because why on earth would I want to go away for a weekend without him and yada, yada, yada. Did all of those things, but because of our situation, so he didn't live with me, but he stayed at my house to look after the kids so that I could do this. And when I came back, I just felt like I'd not walked into my own home. It was just like, I don't feel like I belong here. And he, you know, the atmosphere was horrible. He was really off. And it was just like, you know what? I just want you to go. So he left. And that wasn't the absolute end. But what actually happened was, part of my story is that last year I actually ended a shortened bankruptcy, which I actually took on to deal with debts that he left me with. And I'd started doing a lot of the work looking into what I needed to do financially to get sorted out. And when I went to him with it, and it was October the 26th, 2016, so very similar to what it's like today, autumnal, very crisp, cold weather. I'd spent the morning doing my paperwork and I'd thought, I really need to just let him know, you know, where everything's at. And I WhatsApped him and I said, 
I've been spent the morning doing this. Good news is I've managed to move this. I've managed to do that. You know, me taking responsibility. Yes, for this again. Mess. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Recognize all says, of this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he just says, well, it's great that you're sorted, but I think we need to discuss like the future. I'm sorted. This wasn't even about my mess. But anyway, OK, so that was just my thing of he's not taking responsibility. And I went, yeah, you're right. And, you know, at every other point, had he said, oh, what do you think? Do you think we'll be all right? Blah, blah, blah. I'd go, oh, don't worry. I'm sure it'll be fine. And on this occasion, I just went, no, you're right. We need to sort it. And then he just says, is that the end of us then? And I just saw my exit (laughs) and I took it. (laughs) I just, I literally just went, yeah, I think it is. You know, and instead of them backtracking later, doubting it, thinking, oh my God, I can't possibly cope without him. I just let it go. And so it was that day I... Um, it was half term. I got my lads and we got in the car and I thought I want to go out. But I was just there was something that made me think I've got to go somewhere different. I've got to start doing something different. I've got to just do things differently. Off we went. We got in the car. We went off to Rushcliffe Country Park. Never been there before. Ridiculous because it's not that far away. But there we, there we went. <laughs> and it was such an amazing like the weather was lovely. And I could just feel that, you know, I feel like I'm in a good enough place to say I'm done. I don't need to keep doing this to myself. I'm done. And that was it. And that was it. Everything changed from that point. But what happened was I realised there was absolutely no way I was going to even begin to think about another relationship because I knew that I needed to recover, to heal, to be by myself, to know who I wanted to be, to know who I was. All of that stuff that I talk about a lot in my own work Because if you don't have that, you never really own who you are. No, I'm so, so with you. I'm so, so with you on that. Because I'd I'd gone from living at home with my parents, met my ex-husband. Then when after I left after 20 years, ended up... Well, I I suppose I was on my own to a degree, but I was kind of having my 20s in my 40s, if you like. And it wasn't until after the end of the last relationship, which was, what, seven years ago now... I just thought I'd rather be on my own than with anybody and have another challenging relationship. And I was on my own for five years. And you really have that time. I mean, I've been on a journey of getting to know myself anyway, but, you know, you do. Once you start to know what really makes you tick, you, you become you and then you know what you want. But what's also really magical is that when you're in the right relationship which may come further down the line, you're safe to still explore and figure out all that stuff about who you are without feeling like it defines anything to do with the relationship. No, absolutely. And I've, I've, I've evolved even more because I've, I've, I've been in a new relationship for the last just over two years now and we met online and it's just wonderful. It's just such a magical relationship. I had to get out my own way to end up in that relationship because I'd got this preconceived idea of where I where I was at and who I needed to attract into my life but actually Gareth and I it's just it's just such a beautiful relationship and I know you have as well so yeah. come on well yeah, 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 yeah. come right, on so let's, moving on let's lift the lightness <laughs> and let's it's obviously I mean for people that are listening this is so this is so important it's so important that you know if you are listening if you're in challenging relationships if things aren't right that you have the power whatever you might think you do have the power within you to do something about it you do have a choice there are options it's finding the right people to speak to however it is it's viewing things in a different way it's looking at what you've been going through have been opportunities to learn about 
stuff, but it's about knowing that you've learned that stuff and you don't need to have it. You don't need to accept it anymore. You know, and, you, you know, even if you've got this sort of smidge of feeling unhappy, it's about you taking control of you because actually the responsibility has to be with the self. It's not about casting aspersions anywhere else. I mean, I recognise, for instance, and you'll understand this as well, that I'd allowed, inadvertently, but I'd allowed all of that to happen without realising it. I was unconsciously incompetent. <laughs> and then when you become consciously incompetent, you've got that step to then getting towards consciously competent before you can then become unconsciously competent, whereby you're living your life because you you, you, you accept it, but you have to you have to take responsibility for yourself, whatever it is. When you recognise that actually you also have made choices that have not served you, you see that, that, you know, they have brought you unhappiness, but then you can start to explore, what do I actually want? What would make me happy? What would make me feel like me? And getting to know who, who that person is. If you don't take that ownership, you're never going to get to that place because you'll always think it's down to somebody else. No, and it's not about doing things to appease other people either. It's, you know, people might, oh, oh what, what might this person think or that person think? Sod it. No, it's about what makes you happy. As long as what makes you happy isn't something that's going to hurt or harm anybody purposely. It's about doing what makes you happy. And when you're happy, you radiate outwardly. I actually had about eight months on my own, which doesn't sound like long, but I went deep. <laughs> you know, I did I, I did a lot of Reiki. I did a lot of self-healing work. I did a lot of journaling. I just really spent that time nurturing myself and um i got, so i got to um about the may so it was about 7 or 8 months you know i felt like i'd just like somebody to have fun with and so I went on Tinder and it was just like, uh, yeah, I mean, some of it's just, you know, just really no. But I was very clear. What I wanted was I just wanted someone to have fun with. So I found one person, had a little bit of fun with them, just, you know, briefly. <laughs> but then what actually happened as a result of that was it was kind of like clearing the path. I used to I used to refer to it as opening my dating chakra. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I just had this thing where I was like, you know, if I end up the right, if I find the right person, if he's out there, great. I'm not going looking for him. Then I don't want to say that my ex was the last person that I had been anywhere around. I just wanted kind of like a break, something to just kind of break things up. That's the only way I can describe it. When my path crossed with Bruce, who is now my husband, it was like there was a really serious energy shiver thing going on. It was it was inc it was awesome. Like we started talking on the Monday morning and by the Monday night he'd asked me out because we were just firing off each other all day long. Like the messages did not stop. And when he asked me out, I was like, ooh, because I'd had this, I just had this thing of like, I feel like I want to go out with this person. I don't just want to, you know, chat with them and see what happens. I just had this like voice that said, you have to go and you have to deal with that. By that Monday night, he'd asked me out and it was really funny. We went out on the Friday, but even on the Wednesday, so two days after we started chatting, my mum was like, I was telling her about him and she was like, I thought you said you'd not not met yet we were just talking like we knew each other because we just had that connection it was so amazing like our messages we would send almost identical messages crossing over about nothing like one was about a printer uh, he was talking about 
doing something and I said, oh, you should try this printer. And at the same time, he was replying back with something about this printer. It was just like the weirdest. But just that, that, that yeah, that, that connectivity. Our energy yeah. just matched at every single level, which was just magical. We had our first date, 21st of July, 2017. And we've been inseparable ever since. We really, really have. We've, you know, we've been together like five years. We went through, obviously, we went through all of COVID together. But we have actually, while we've been together, done a lot of healing both together and individually, because he had also come from a 23-year quite difficult marriage. Again, fairly emotionally abusive. And so I have helped him with stuff. He has helped me with stuff. We have both navigated very messy divorces, incredibly difficult. Um, We still have outstanding stuff to deal with there, but we never, ever let the negativity of that kind of impact on us as a couple, our happiness being happy together in that space is like our focus and it's changed the energy of the household like my kids are happier I mean oh my god you, you actually wouldn't recognize both my kids now from what they were sort of but they're picking up ago. they would have been picking up on the energy I mean and that's that's the case you know I mean it's just yeah it's transformation when you're with the right person it's not hard work and it's just wonderful it, yeah very similar with myself and Gareth you know it's just easy I don't think we've ever had we've, well we've never had an argument there's been the odd sort of like uh, maybe not <laughs> but not you know not no I mean it's just well you become acceptance. so you're not afraid to speak your mind as well you know you can be honest and it's not a problem you can say how you're feeling without worrying what their reaction is going to be about it because it happens back and forth in such a way that it is a discussion it's a conversation it's not a, well exactly you know, but you just mentioned your with Bruce's ex I mean Gareth had an ex-wife it, it left him well yeah how, house being re- a lot of backstory to it but he was a he was broken and the house had been repossessed and all that sort of stuff and it's just it's awful it's awful how other people can treat people but anyway I mean so but we're both in happier places and obviously you you've you've evolved business-wise and you've actually now become a six-time published author and that's it you've yeah, got and you're helping books. people you know like, like likewise that I am you know and it's imp- helping and empowering women or all, all who cross our path or in our orbit view the world differently you know because we know and we've been through and you've I mean crikey <laughs> You've got you've got a little bit of experience to, uh, to reference, and this is you? this is what I like to say. You know, I've got quite a few different qualifications. I've done spiritual coaching. I've done crystal healing. I'm now studying human design, which is just awe inspiring. I've got my level one quantum human design already because I'm obsessed with it. It's a bit of a rabbit hole, but um, what I like to say is that my my experience is my expertise. You know, you you can do all the courses in the world and never learn some of the stuff that I've learned through my experiences. But the thing that I love about the journey with my books is that my first book which was published in 2018 so it was written and published in the space of five months it became like my my project aside from the wedding stationery business that I had at the time and I wrote a lot about my experiences my journey and everything that had happened but if you read like so the the book the amazing book that came out on Monday Beautifully Broken which is a collaboration of 16 incredible women with their stories I told the same story in my chapter about what happened in my relationship but the energy behind it was so different and it was really uplifting and it was eye-opening but it showed you what was possible and it was all you know when I go back and read it I'm like I know that that's my work but it's like where did that come from it's amazing it's just such a really really nice way of, of, of bringing your story out and you know I'm really proud of the chapter in that book because it is, really shows how far I've come 
and what's possible. So yeah, I mean, I'm the same with the with the my dad thinks I'm a fairy chapter. The book that I was equally involved in a book collaboration and doing the chapters, and it, you're probably as well like me. When I go to write, it kind of just sort of channels through it. You just sort of go into it and you type it. But having that distance of time and viewing it, you when you're in it. At that time, and I just refer back to when I left my ex-husband. I mean, I was very much living the story of all the drama. There was there was stuff that I've not really spoken about that happened that made my eyes open because there was catalytical stuff going on, which is really powerful. But I'd been heard, and when I'd been heard, a bit like you with a life coach, but it wasn't a life coach. It was, you know, it you start. That's when you start to waken, and that's what the power of coaching is all about. And yeah, the, the, but when you're living it, you have a different experience of it because you're so the, the emotions are so raw. But as time progresses and you do the work, you do the inner work because by God, is it important to do the inner work as well as the outer work? Because looking after mind, body, spirit, you've got to look after all all parts. But then you you do you can you can write about your stuff from a more educated perspective rather than a raw emotional one. How do they find you? My website is quite simple. JacquelineKent.co.uk. On Facebook, I have a really lovely Facebook community group, which is just called the Self Compassion Collective. And that's a space where people can just go and kind of really find a way to nurture themselves in a supportive space where, you know, I share lots and lots of juicy stuff in there. I do a Heartfelt Habits on Sunday evenings, which is like a little video teach, um, exploring various different things in there. I'm on Instagram, Jacqueline Kent Official. The books and everything, you can find all the links. So they're on my website. The new one, obviously, just needs to be added at the moment. Yeah, so they're all on there. Um, So my first book is Onward and Upward. My second book is actually called You've Got This, and that is actually a self-help book. And that shares everything that I did to get through all of the, like, life lessons that I had that I shared in my first book. So there's some great resources in there as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do rate, review, and follow, subscribe, share, because it's great. I mean, and I've just noticed, I must shout out, I've had over 30,000 all-time downloads globally now in over 100 countries, which is awesome. So thank you all for listening. Woohoo! And is this, I don't know, this will go out, it's probably about the 100th and 6th episode that will go out. So that will be awesome. I know, amazing. So, yeah, so if you get in touch with Jacqueline, and you can get in touch with me at sarahjnaylor.com and on LinkedIn, Facebook, you name it. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for listening. As always, you've been an awesome listener, been an awesome guest. And until next time, take care and lots of love from me. Thanks for listening to the Harnessing Happiness podcast with Sarah J. Naylor. If you took value from the content, please follow the show on your podcast app. And to find out more about Sarah's ape mindset, visit sarahjnaylor.com. That's sarahjnaylor.com.